Good morning, everyone. I hope you're ready to start our service this morning. Got some fun surprises for you. No, I'm just kidding. We don't really. <laughs> Check one. But let's, let's praise the Lord anyway. If you guys want to stand, we're going to sing Count Your Blessings this morning. <laughs> When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed When you are discouraged thinking all is lost Count your many blessings, name them one by one And it will surprise you what the Lord has done Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God has done Count your blessings, name them one Are you ever burning with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. With their lands and gold, in the crisis promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings, but he cannot buy your reward in heaven or your home on high. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Let the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, give them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Let's pray to open our service this morning. God in heaven, we thank you so much uh, to allow us to come to this place and worship you, God. Uh, and to allow us to hear from you, God. And we, we want to do just that this morning. We want to hear from you. Uh, we want to listen to the things that, that you need to say this morning through uh, song and through word. So um, just uh, fill your spirit with this place. Uh, sorry, fill, your, fill this place with your spirit um, and allow us to worship you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so you know the drill. Walk around, shake everybody's hand, say hello to some people, maybe some new faces. We'll play a song and we'll be right back. (laughs) 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 We kept him out too late. Laughing. Fill your spirit with this place. That's right. (laughs) Three, four. Got that old time religion, got that old time religion. That is why I'm satisfied. You ask if I'm happy, if I have peace within, if I'm worried about tomorrow. When I read my journey's in, I'm satisfied with my Jesus. And when He knocks, I led him in to go with me through the valley, for I know he is my friend, satisfied, satisfied, and no troubles can ever bring me down, down, down. When my eyes are closed in bed with my Jesus, I'll be at rest, then you'll know I'm satisfied. 
Got that old-time religion, got that old-time religion. That is why I'm satisfied. If my friends, they all forsake me, and they turn me from their door. If they sow no seeds of kindness, or make the thorns in my path grow, it won't matter over yonder. And when I reach that other side, I'm going to sit down by my Savior, satisfied, 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 satisfied. No troubles can ever bring me down, down, down. When my eyes are closed in bed, with my Jesus I'll be at rest, then you'll know. I'm satisfied. Got that old time religion. Got that old time religion. That is why I'm Good morning. We just have a, a few announcements this morning, guys, before we continue with our praise and worship. Give you guys a little update on Pastor. Uh, he did go through his surgery good. Yes, Miss Lou? Okay, thank you. Uh, he did go through his surgery uh, very well, but he's in a lot of pain, so we're still asking for... Uh, prayers for him, guys. You guys might be wondering, because uh, Brian did say last week that uh, Brother Pomeroy would be preaching this morning. So some of you guys might have thought that he fibbed to you. No, actually, uh, Brother Pastor's, uh, Brother Frank's uh, brother is actually preaching this morning. So no, he didn't lie. He just maybe misled you a little bit, but he didn't lie. So, yeah. So a couple announcements this morning. Um, our Fall Fest is coming up. Some things that we do need is lots and lots of candy. Um, in the years past, I will tell you, we had to fill these two containers up numerous times just to have enough candy for the kids. Um, also, uh, baked goods for the cakewalk we need uh, that day. Don't come bring them up now because they won't last. I'll take them home. Um, toys and miscellaneous items for the candy trade-in. We always do a trade-in uh, where we have small toys, uh, coloring books, stuff like that for the kids that they can actually trade their candy in to get. So we need stuff like that as well. Uh, let's see what else. Two liter soldiers for the ring toss. Large cans of chili for hot dogs and Frito pie. Uh, grated cheese for chili dogs and Frito pie as well. That is all coming up very, very soon, just a little bit over a month away. Um, on the back, you can see uh, our Fall Fest is October 31st. There is one correction, though. It's from 6 to 8. Is that correct, Ms. Lou? 6 to 8 instead of 7 to 9. So that's the one correction. Um, let's see what else we have here. There will be no service tonight since Pastor is still recovering from his surgery. So uh, that is one thing. Also, um, I do have a small video I need Morgan to play for me. And then I'm going to talk about that just for a few minutes. You guys can see the insert in your bulletin as well. Star Gavin Stone became a fixture on the party scene. Dad, you in trouble? A little. What kind? Kind where you? Sorry, it's on stage. So I had to go through an ad real quick.
actually started 26 years ago in 1990 with uh, 10 Texas students. Um, what it is, is uh, it ranges from anywhere from elementary all the way up to college students, and they meet at their flagpole of their school, and it's actually a student-led prayer. As youth pastors, we're just there kind of to watch and kind of enjoy what we see. I know Brother Scott's a youth pastor, and I know one of the things I enjoy the most is seeing our youth do our job for us. That's an awesome thing. Um, currently, to date, there's over 3 million people that participate, participated in it internationally, which is an awesome thing. Um, for us, um, I know we have a couple different schools that uh, come here. So I just want to let you guys know for Floresville, it's uh, Wednesday morning at 730. You will meet at your flagpole. There will be some youth pastors there, uh, either me, Brother Scott, a couple other ones for, with breakfast. That's a benefit. Uh, for Lavernia, I know it's going to be 745. I know there will be some youth pastors there. I'm not sure they'll have breakfast or not. So, And then if we have any uh, homeschooled students, Ms. Carla is going to be here about 730 at our flagpole here. I know we usually get a couple homeschool students as well. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, the night before, Tuesday night, we're actually meeting with a couple other churches, and we are going to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to uh, pray over the uh, Floresville school grounds and just soak it in prayer and prepare it for uh, the morning of See You at the Pole, which is an awesome thing. And then that night on the uh, 28th, we're actually going to be meeting at the uh, Lavernia School Auditorium, where we're having a Saw You at the Pole concert and guest speaker and free dinner and everything like that. So that's a it's an awesome thing. This will be, I believe, think the second year we've done the concert and stuff. It was pretty big uh, last year, so we're hoping for even more to turn out this year. So I just ask that you guys keep our students in prayer this week, because I know from experience, seeing our students up there praying at the flagpole, some of them getting criticized as students who are not there walking by. So I think it's awesome to see our students stand up for what they believe in, you know, even in the face of uh, criticism and stuff. So that's, that's an awesome thing, I think. And I think Brother Brian has our scripture reading this morning. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Mm-hmm. Brother, we just come with Brother Brian this morning, and we just ask that uh, the words out of his mouth are your words and not his, Heavenly Father. We just ask that you guide him and that we may learn from uh, his scripture reading. In gracious name, amen. Thank you, brother. Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to be reading today out of Second Thessalonians. I preached out of 1 Thessalonians last week, and that was fun. Uh, So I'm going to be reading out of 2 Thessalonians, verse 2, and I'm going to start in chapter 13. Uh, I just read that this morning. I've I've been having a a conversation with a friend of mine that goes to a different denomination. Uh, He is very, very Christian. He works for that denomination. But we, we debate pretty often friendly debate on how we're saved and he believes we're saved by our works and uh and i i don't believe that i believe that if you're saved you will have works uh you can't help it god puts it in your heart and tells you things to do and if you're listening you'll have works and he we uh we were debating at one time and i said but brother you're 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 saved by by uh, faith through uh, grace through faith and he said well that all depends on if you consider that a work so i guess if it's work for you to have faith you're saved by the faith (laughs) by that work (laughs) but uh we don't do that work it's god that does it and that's that's what's in this uh scripture here and i got this this morning and i'm looking forward to our next meeting because i'm gonna hit him with this one and see see how it works we have fun we love each other and we have that difference and we're both saved you know and uh and uh he has much works you know and they might get him a better mansion i don't know god's blessings are something we can't comprehend because we can't fathom the the magnitude of the blessings um second thessalonians verse 2 uh or chapter 2 verse 13 thank you um but we ought always to thank god for you brothers and sisters loved by the lord because god chose you as first fruits 
to be saved through the sanctifying. Good, thank you. Y'all still have it from last week. To be saved through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. The work of who? The Holy Spirit does the work. We don't have to do the work. The Holy Spirit does it. Uh, Jesus did it for us. Um, through belief in the truth. Through belief in the truth. So if that belief in the truth is a work, yeah, that work does it for you. God does it for you when you do that work. Uh, he called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our Father, who loved us by his grace, gave us eternal uh, encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And that's my prayer for everyone here, including me, that God will encourage us and keep us strong uh, in his word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for these promises that you give us in your word, God. And I thank you for letting us have this fellowship today, Lord. I praise you for every person that's here, God. Thank you for the love that we can feel through your Holy Spirit in this brotherhood. God, I just, I praise you for sending, uh, Brother Scott here today to, uh, to bring us your word and, uh, I just pray that you bless that word and that it will uh, fall on receptive ears and hearts, Lord, and that, uh, that we'll be drawn closer to you through it. God, bless the songs that we're about to sing, God, and I just pray that everything done here will be to your glory. And forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short of your perfect will. I pray these things in the holy, precious, sweet, sweet name of Jesus. Amen. When you hit him with that, Brian, be sure to use a book. The phone, you may throw it, you may break oh, it. This thing throws pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continuing on with the, what Brian said, this next song is Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. So, you know, we lean on God's everlasting arms, not the other way around. We don't hold him up, he holds us up. All right? So, let's sing this morning Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. <laughs> what a fellowship, what a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim's way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. And secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms What have I to dread, what have I to fear Leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace with my Lord to near Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning on Jesus, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning on the everlasting arms.
defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. So we're going to look at a few things this morning. Um, Jesus stated about what it meant to be a follower of Him. Okay? And I'm hoping it's a little bit different look of the Gospel than what you may be typically used to. But whether you've been a Christian for a hundred years, or today is the day of your salvation, praise God for that. And I pray that this incites a riot in you for the Gospel. And really want you to be, make you on fire as you leave this building today to share God's Word and to share hopefully what you hear today. But mainly what I want you to know through today is that Jesus is still enough, right? Because I think that that's lost in our world today. And the millennials, what they call the millennials, about 4% of millennials, it's the largest generation that's ever been in this nation, and only about 4% of them attend church. Think about that. The largest generation of this nation ever, 4% of them attend church. Out of that 4%, I can tell you as a youth pastor, a full-time youth pastor, probably about 1% to 2% of them are actually genuine about their faith and really wanting to be on fire and do something with their faith for the gospel. So that tells me, as us being the older generation, so to speak, we have got to get on fire for our young people. We have got to get on fire for this nation to be changed back to what God and, and the founders of this nation wanted it to be. Okay? So uh, I believe that we have lost the, the, the definition of what a Christian is. Right. So if you were to pull it up on Google right now, it would tell you about 83% of this nation polled, claims to be Christian. Can you turn on a TV, pick up a magazine, look at a newspaper, or even go to your local supermarket and say that 83% of the people around you have a Christian mindset of what God's Word says? That's important to us, and it should be important for us, right? And that's what gives me the passion I have for the Gospel, and it's what gives me the passion I have for our young people. Because I don't want to see a generation without Jesus, right? Because even in my generation, I'm 43 years old, and even in my generation, it's hard to find in church pews. Yeah, I don't mean to upset you. I'm just being honest. Because I've been in a lot of churches and I've been done a lot of church camps. And guys, we have lost what it genuinely means to be a Christian. And so I'm hoping we can come back full circle today and see what that means. Because see, the word Christian means as simple as being a Christ follower 
or a disciple, which if you break down the word disciple, means to be a willing learner. To be wanting to learn. Not to be bottle-fed, shammed down our throat every Sunday, but to be willing to come to church. To be wanting and, and excited about having a daily relationship with our Father and Savior that saved us from the life that we were a part of at one time. It's funny, Brian was telling me this morning, he says, you know, he says the one thing that, about you is that you have a testimony. I don't. I have a boring testimony. I have to surely agree, disagree with that, Brian, and we talked about that just a little bit. Man, brother, you have the testimony of what it looks like to be in church and to, and to be able to portray that upon our young people and how powerful yours and Miss Carla's lives are and how many people y'all have touched and affected by having that 40, 50, 60, 100-year walk, whatever it's been. But I'm just saying, we all have a testimony. And God has given us that to be the best tool to pour into anybody who's around us. Whether that be a foul, reborn heathen like me and Frank, or to be somebody that's been raised in church that knows what the godly principles are and still stray from them. Because we're born into a sin-fallen world and it's easy for us as humanity to do so. If we don't have a daily connection and a daily fellowship with God, that happens very easily. So we're going to go over some of that today. But if we look as a Christian, we know our mission. If you ever wondered what your principle and what your thought of what your life should be about and what you've been called to, I'm going to give it to you very easy because Jesus gave it to us very easy through the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Those are the two things that we're supposed to be a part of daily. Mainly the Great Commission for me and something I really pour into my students, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you ever wondered what your mission in life was to be, as a, as a Christian, as a Christian man or Christian woman or child, that's your mission in life. And to do that, to go and make disciples, guess what you have to be? A disciple. Because you have to be willing to learn God's Word. And you have to be willing to do what God wants you to do before you can ever go and portray that on someone else and help someone else get that. But what I want to make sure we understand through that verse, it says, go and make converts. No, that's not what it says. It says, go and make disciples. Right? That's a big difference. And I think in today's society, so many men stand behind a pulpit and are so worried about making converts instead of making disciples. And that's what we've been called to do. Not just as pastors, but anybody in this room that claims to be a Christian, guess what? You're a pastor. Because you're supposed to be going and making disciples. That doesn't mean you have to stand behind a pulpit. It doesn't mean you have to be so well versed in the Bible that that's all you speak. What it means is that you have to be willing and submissive and humble enough to let God use you through the testimony He's given you. And being a disciple, you're going to want to learn more about God's Word to where it won't be, man, I can't go talk to them. I don't really know what I'm talking about. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit will kick in when you ask it to, and the words that come out of your mouth will be all of what God had you to say to that individual at that time. You have to forgive me this morning. My allergies are acting up a little bit. So if 83% of this nation claim to be Christ followers, why doesn't our nation, our schools, our homes, our supermarkets even remotely reflect that at all there's obviously been a travesty there somewhere and we've obviously stopped being concerned with making true disciples and we're just okay with making converts because it fills church pews and it fills tithe offerings and those kind of things again i'm not trying to dog on those things what i'm trying to make sure is that we inside a riot in ourselves for the gospel that we are on fire and have a passion about what jesus died for because he didn't just come to die so we could just have mediocre lives john 10 10 is very clear about that he came not just so we could have life, but that we could have life in abundance. And we're living like we just barely have life instead of having it in abundance. Right? Being on fire, having that smile and that joy about you that says that only comes from one place. And that's the peace and love and spirit of the Holy Spirit being inside of you. That is so important. So in saying that, I want to share a quick little self-examination story with you this morning. And I'm going to break up three different sheeps into three different groups here. And uh, this story and this illustration is called the lukewarm sheep. And the way it starts is the first group of sheep had decided to look to the shepherd and follow him wherever he led. These are called the good sheep who follow the good shepherd. So if you'll turn with me to John 10, if you're not there already, and I want to read something. I'm going to read that verse to you again, and then we're going to continue on. It says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Again, that's a directive, that's not a maybe, that's a definite thing. Okay, and We're going to get back to that again, and I'm trying to reiterate that to you, because it's very important that we understand that, so we're going to go back there again in a few minutes. But the second group of sheep really wants nothing to do with the shepherd. They want to run their own lives, do their own thing, and deliberately decide to be disobedient to anything that God would want them to do. 
And those are the pagans and the atheists of this society that we live in today. And as we know, that's becoming more and more and more of a deal. They don't want to hear Jesus' voice. They don't want to follow it all. They think they got it all completely under control. They can live life all on their own. Need no interaction from the Holy Spirit. Don't care at all to hear the story of Jesus. And then there's the third group. Then there's the third group. The third group decides that they like the shepherd. They want to hang out with him, but they don't want to get too close to him. Okay? And they still want to keep their options open because then they can still live two lives. They can live on two sides of the fence. That was very, very clearly laid out to us in Revelations that you can't be hot or cold, so I'm going to spew you out of my mouth like vomit. Because you can't decide which side of the fence you want to live on. They still want to keep their options open. They look for their own grass once in a while. They want to nibble a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they want to have a little bit of Jesus. And they want to have a Sunday bit of Jesus, but they don't want to have an everyday Jesus. Right? George Orwell, old theologian, put it like this. says, most human beings want to be good, but not too good, and not all the time. Again, self-reflection. Where do you fit in one of these three groups? Because see, that's the problem with this third group of sheep. They're the ones that end up getting lost and straying out on their own. They're just close enough to the shepherd, which would be Jesus, to feel secure and just far enough away not to hear his voice as we talked about in that scripture. All right, very important for us to understand that. Because remember, John 10, 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. It's pretty black and white if you really read it, or red, because it's written in red. Um, But this verse is a directive and not open for discussion. And I think that's the problem. We want to make Scripture open for discussion instead of making Scripture what Scripture is. For us to live out and for us to know more about God, not to twist it and turn it into what we want it to fit into our lives. Uh, And I've been guilty of that myself in the past. Me and Brian were talking about that this morning as well. See, it doesn't say, my sheep hear my voice and when it's convenient, they follow me. It doesn't say, my sheep, when it's okay for them and nobody's around to see them, they follow me. It doesn't say when they can get up in a church or they can get up in a community, they follow me. No, it's very much a directive. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, which is the most important part of that whole verse, and they follow me. Do you know that Jesus knows you? Do you have that connection with Him? Because that's important. That's really where we're supposed to be talking about this morning. Um, and it doesn't say if I get a better deal, I'll follow him. That's something I struggle with our young people all the time on Wednesday nights. And, and I get it, man. We're all busy. We all got schedules. And I'll ask one of them, I actually here about six months to a year ago, one of them actually told me, young man, great young man, I'm not judging him, great young man. I said, hey, man, I miss you at church on Wednesday night. What happened? Well, I kind of got a better deal. And hey, that's not what he meant to say because he immediately was like, oh, man, I didn't mean to say that. No, you did mean to say that. That's exactly what it was, right? And I didn't chastise him for that, but it was just amazing that that actually came out. Right, he got to go to the movies with his friends, and it was just like, golly, man, that's the mentality of our young people. But the reason why that's the mentality of a lot of our young people because that's a lot of mentality of a lot of our adults. I was talking to uh, um, my brother in the back there earlier. I told him, I said, you know, one time I think about preaching a sermon if I have the opportunity to preach a sermon somewhere, and I'm gonna go get one of them old time card things, and I'm gonna stick it at the back door, and I'm gonna tell him, hey guys, make sure you punch in when you get here, and make sure you punch in when you leave. That's a bold statement, and I know that I could be very chastised for saying that, but there's a lot of churches today that have that exact mentality. I'm just being honest with you guys. I see it all the time, and, and that's just not what God has called us to do. Um, but let's do a little exercise today, and nobody fall asleep on me, because I know it's Sunday morning, and we all had a hard week. But everybody close your eyes for me just a second. Close your eyes deeply, tightly. Don't be looking around if you don't mind. And I want you to think about something for just a second. I want, to think, I want you to think about that person that is the closest to you in your life. Maybe it's your wife, husband, son, daughter, employee, employer, whatever it may be. Somebody that you've been in the military with, somebody you've hung out with a lot. And I want you to think about that person very, very, very hard. I want you to think about how you've communicated with them, talked back and forth to them on the phone, texted, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, whatever your thing is. I know this is a country church, you probably don't do a lot of that. But whatever it is that made you close with them, fellowshipping with them, going fishing with them, going hunting with them, going riding Harleys with them, which I love to do. Whatever it is that made you so tight with that person. And think about all the time that you've invested in that relationship for just a minute. Okay, now open your eyes. Look this way. Now think about your relationship with Jesus. Have you spent as much time or more time with Jesus as you have that person? This week? 
being honest. Because in God's Word, it tells us that any relationship we have in our lives should look like hate compared to the relationship we have with Jesus. Does that mean Jesus wants us to hate people? Absolutely not. That's not the context of that Scripture. But what it means is that our love for Jesus should be so strong and so passionate and so on fire in our lives that we spend more time with Him and making sure we are in line with what He wants us to be in line with than anybody that's the closest to us. Because I guarantee you, and I know this from personal example, and some of you here know me, when your relationship with Jesus is the way it's supposed to be, all your other relationships are going to be fine. Just being perfectly honest with you. If you are spending the time with God that you need to be spending, your other relationships are going to be just fine. Because you're going to be bringing Jesus into those relationships. You're going to be bringing Jesus into those friendships. You're going to be bringing Jesus into your children and into your homes because you're making it a priority in your lives. Right? It's very important to understand that. Uh, and how does your relationship compare? How can we know what Jesus does and doesn't like, right? For young and old in here, for students and adults alike, what test have you ever taken? What promotion have you ever got? What class or course could you ever excel in if you never opened the book? If you never figure out, how am I supposed to do this? If you never ask the person in charge, how am I supposed to learn how to do this? Teach me. Mold me. Make me. I am the potter, you are the clay. Be involved in my life, Jesus. Because I could never pass an algebra test, and I still don't know why they have it, because I haven't used it one time in 43 years, I don't think. But I could have never passed an algebra test if I didn't have that silly book in front of me. I could have never passed an algebra test if I wouldn't ask that silly teacher, hey, can you help me fix this problem? How do I come up with the solution? We have the roadmap. We have the guide. We have the Savior. We have the teacher of teachers. Why are we not investing into that? And then we don't sit back and say, well, I don't know why I'm not succeeding in my relationship with Christ. I don't know why I'm struggling so much. I don't know why I got this problem and I just can't seem to figure it out. I don't know who to go to. Well, I'm going to tell you who to go to. Go straight to Jesus. He's the problem fixer. As that new song that's out, he's a chain breaker. He's a way maker. He's everything that we could ever need. We just choose to fill everything else with it instead of filling it with Jesus. That's the problem because it's our choice to make. Because see, 83% of that group, of this group of people in the United States of America, is where I think a lot of our church folks are today, to be quite honest with you. They've chosen not to listen to the Good Shepherd and follow Him closely. They are without protection of the Shepherd and open to the attacks of Satan and of this world. They claim Christ is their Master, but everything else but Christ is dictating their lives. I counsel with people on in every day, and praise God, I'm glad that He's given me the testimony, me and Brian were talking about that this morning, to be able to see, hey man, I know where you can go, and I know where you've been, trust me. Those that heard my testimony curl your stomach, right? But I'm only here today because I'm humble, submissive, and know that He is the only reason that I'm here doing what God has called me to do today. And we have to come to acknowledgement in that is that it's not about us. And we can't do it. I promise you, I tried for many years. It's not possible. You must be willing to submit and be obedient to what God has called you to do. And that first takes on your knees, begging God to cleanse everything and take everything out to where all is left is Him. From a testimony, an example, I'm telling you that personally this morning. You see, how can we hear His voice and follow Him when everything else in our lives are louder and talking more? I did an illustration with our young people one time. I had a young man come up. And I said, I need somebody to take some heat for the gospel today. He stood in the middle and I put a bunch of screaming little girls around him. And I said, I want you to scream at him as loud as you can. And I'm going to tell you something. I want you to see if you hear what I say. Because I don't care how country, how tech, how whatever you are, this is your life today. Because society has made it that way. We are standing in the middle and everything in the world is screaming at us, around us. Everything is trying to pull us and pull us and pull us and take us away from what God has called us to be a center of, which is Jesus. So we have to make an, an, an acknowledgeable notion to know, I have got to make time for Jesus. As a youth pastor and a full-time pastor, I'm a motorcycle ministry chaplain. I do, I'm an associate youth pastor. I do a ton of stuff at the FCA program at school. I have it on my calendar every morning, spend time with Jesus. So if a pastor is willing to admit that he has to do that because of the world pulling him, Guys, you've got, to make a, you've got to make a point of it. If it's not on your calendar, make it somewhere. Write it everywhere. In your room, in your, in your bathroom. My wife has it all over the refrigerator, so she knows when she goes in there, she's spending time with God. Whatever it takes for you to be acknowledged that you have to spend time with God, 
and that it's a priority, do whatever it takes. Ask God to give you that time and to make it a priority for you. It's so, so important. So let's look back in John 10. We're going to read a few more Scriptures now because I told you uh, one side of the Scripture. Now I'm going to tell you the other side. Because I think, again, this is where a lot of our churches are today. Because we come in and out and we sit here and we listen to Scripture and we listen to, in this, in this church, Pastor Frank, bring the Word or in your Sunday schools, whoever your Sunday school teachers are, and we listen. But I think we've missed it sometimes, right? So let's start back in verse 25 and we're going to go through 28. Jesus answered them, I told you, but you do not believe. If you've heard God's Word and you're not being willing to be obedient and humble and submissive to follow it, I've told you, but you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you don't believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My goodness, man. What else in life can give you that? Because if you can tell me what it is, because I've searched it all, and I haven't found anything that was able to give me eternal life but Jesus Christ. Just being honest with you. But we keep trying to search for everything else to fill these voids in our lives except Jesus. Because when we accept Jesus and be excited about Him to fill these voids in our lives, it takes action. Because conviction leads to repentance, which leads to uh, reconciliation, which leads to complete salvation. Then it starts and then it goes on in 29. My Father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So again, not only is He willing to give us eternal life, He's telling us once He gives us eternal life, nothing can take that away from us. And nothing can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Again, I'd ask you, what in life that you put so much time and effort and resource into can do that for you? Because I haven't found it. And so if you do, I'd really like to know so we can market it. Because I just don't think it is. I believe that God, as His Word tells us, Jesus is the only thing that can do that for us. And it's so important for us to understand that. So let's go over to Mark 8. And this is where we're going to finish up. And I want you to get too excited and think we're almost done because we're not. But let's go over to Mark 8 and uh, do a little bit more self-reflection as Jesus did with the disciples. And I want to make sure as I set this up, the Scripture up, if Jesus can talk to His disciples this way, I think that we can talk to one another this way. And I think if it was important enough to pour into His disciples this way, I think it's important enough for us to be poured into this way and ask ourselves some of these questions as well. And so let's read uh, chapter 8 of Mark, verses 27 through 29, and then we're going to move on a little bit more. It says, And Jesus went on with His disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way He asked His disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told Him, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And He asked them, But who do you say I am? And Peter answered them, you are the Christ. Okay, Very important. And let's jump down to verses 34 through 38, and then we're going to come back and break these down a little bit. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? For whoever... Uh, for, uh, for what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes into the glory of the Father with the holy angels. Okay, so again, I want to make sure we get the main point across this morning in that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and He is enough. Regardless of what the world would tell you or not tell you, which is one of our biggest problems in our schools today, is do you know that uh, there's a band out there called Newsboys? They have started a movement coming up here, I think it's the first week of October, if I'm not mistaken. Corey, you might know that. Of bring your Bibles to school. Think about that just for a minute. I know that may not sound much. Uh, October 6th. So be praying on October 6th for that, along with the of the Pole. But think about that just for a minute, right? So we have gotten so far away from God, and our young people are not are being pressed or any way, shape, or form to seek God that we have started a movement, and praise God for this movement. I'm not dogging this movement. I think it's phenomenal. That we have to be asking and willing, participating, and pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into a movement to bring your Bible to school. And we wonder why our young people are struggling so much in school. Can anybody tell me real quick, interactive real quick, can anybody tell me the one place that the Bible is promoted the most in the United States of America? 
Very good. Our prison systems. Doesn't that seem a little ironic to you? We have to start movements to be able to have the Bible brought back into school by individuals, not even from an education level, but yet in prison, man, they're wanting to come in by truckloads. Amazing. Absolutely amazing where we've gone to in this country. Because Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He came to this earth to redeem His people through suffering, dying, and rising again. That's what's in the Scripture that we just read. And when Jesus Christ calls us to follow Him, He is calling us to do exactly what He did. So when I asked earlier, or gave you the definition of what Christian is, I want to make sure you hear that again. Simple. Christ follower. Disciple. Willing learner. So He's asking us here and telling us here exactly what He's wanting us to do, just like He wanted the disciples to do it. He wanted them to follow Him. To do as He did. Go where He went. Talk to who He talked to. Be willing to share with others. No matter what they look like. No matter what color. What money. What anything. Right? you got to remember, Jesus was the one that was with leopards. That never happened. Jesus hung out with tax collectors. They were fools. Jesus hung out with stinky fishermen. I'm a big stinky fisherman. But this was bad back then. But Jesus was willing to do that. So are we willing to do that? And that's the question I would ask, and that's what we're going to go into. Because when Jesus calls us to follow Him, He is calling us to do exactly what He did. Take up our crosses, denying ourselves, and following in His footsteps. So what does denying yourself look like? And what does following in His footsteps look like? So when we lay down our lives, we are actually saving it, as it talks about in several different of the Gospels. But I'd have to ask you this morning, individually, as I said, we're doing an interactive deal this morning. I'd ask you, do you really want to be like Jesus? Do you really claim and want to be a follower of Christ? Knowing everything I just read to you, and we're going to go over it again, do you really want to be like Jesus? By no means am I trying to push you away from Christianity. But what I am trying to do is make sure when you claim to be a Christian, that it means something to you. That it should mean everything to you. Because that's what it means to me, and I believe that's what God's put on my heart this morning. Because again, I think our nation would look totally different if 83% of this nation believed that, accepted that, was willing to fight for that, willing to stand for that. Guys, we got an election coming up. I don't care what side of the line you fall on, and I don't get political from the pulpit. We're hurting. As Christians, if we claim to be Christians, we are in a sad, sad shape in this country. And if 83% of us get on fire, we can change that. Maybe not this time, but we can change that. Something I use with our young people, and I've said this a couple times to them, and you may, not, you may hate me afterwards. You can't fire me, so I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyways. 2011 or 2001, five men changed this world for all of eternity. What could, what could 50 people on fire for God do the exact same thing for the Holy Spirit? Think about that for just a minute. Five men had passion for Satan to change this world for all of eternity. What could 50 of us do with the passion for God? to change this community, to change Floresville, Lavernia, wherever God calls you. Man, 83% of people in this nation got on fire for God like that. What would our nation look like a year from now? Four years from now? Because guys, I'm going to tell you what, just in the last year, if you would not agree with me, I'd be sad to say, if you haven't been watching the news, just in the last year, this nation has changed tremendously. Tremendously. In the last five years, you could look back for some of us that are a little bit older, and think about 20 years ago compared to 5 years ago. And then think about now. And we might say, well, it's, this is Texas. That'll never happen. Really? Because when the school bell rang in Fort Worth a couple of months ago, they had gender-neutral bathrooms. So don't think it's not coming here just because we live in the greatest state in the nation. It is. It's here. And if, guys, if we don't get on fire for the gospel, and we don't get on fire for God, our kids are going to be devoured. Just being honest with you. We've got to change something. And it's got to start in church. It's got to start with people that believe in the Holy Spirit can do the things that the Bible is full of Him doing. And we got to believe that that can happen in our own lives. No matter what kind of life you've lived at this moment. From this day forward, how's it going to be? Because you can't say from this day forward, because I'm accountable for every one of you today, just making sure you understand that, but you're accountable for yourselves. We were talking about that this morning. Because there's going to come a day when it's going to be, if you claim to be a Christian, you and Jesus. Not anything else that you put your time or resources into. You and Jesus. And He's going to ask, what have you done with all that I've given you? What have you done with the two things that I've given you more than anything else? Do you realize, and I share this often, and I love to share it with people, because I think we've forgotten this. Again, 
Do you realize that we are the only things in creation that God dug His hands down and got His hands dirty for? Do you realize as humanity, we're the only things that He personally breathed a breath into? So that means every heartbeat and every breath we breathe should mean something. and should have a purpose and a mission and a plan to it. And that purpose, mission, and plan, if you claim the Holy Spirit living inside of you, is God and Jesus and the portrayal of that through our lives, through our actions, and through our Word to everybody around us. Told you we were going to be a little bit long and I'm going to cut it short. But guys, man, I cannot stress enough. We have got to get on fire for the Gospel again. And if you haven't got on fire for the Gospel before, today is the day of your salvation. Because I never see, I never see in Jesus' walkings and His coming and goings day to day where He said, okay, I'll heal you and then you go live a filthy life. Because if you've seen that in God's Word, I'd like to see it. Because what I see Him say is, now go and sin no more. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is a day of repentance. Today is a day of change for you in this room. I don't care if you've been a Christian for a hundred years and I'm stepping on toes, or today is a day of your salvation. From this day forward should be a change because you've heard what God's Word says. No matter who you are, young or old, Sunday school teachers, anybody in this room, when we read this Word, this should have an effect on us. It shouldn't just be Oprah's book club. This should come alive in our lives. So as we close today, time of invitation. I don't know if you all have music played during invitation, but as we come to the time of invitation, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, I pray today you get that right. right, And that you don't leave this room. Because I'll tell you, you all know a a man that was pretty dear to my heart at one time and we kind of grew apart, Mr. Dane Rudder. And this man has stuck with my mind for the last, ever since he passed away. And I pray about it every time it comes to my mind. It just, the friendship and relationship that we had. But I guarantee you, this has really hit me. I guarantee you when that man got up to go to work that day, he had no idea what was coming at him. He had no idea what was going to happen. We're not promised another minute. We're not promised another second. We don't know what this life is going to live for us. You could walk out of here, slip on that concrete, done. Today is the day of your salvation. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is, your Lord and Savior, today is the day to change that. Maybe you're in here and you've been living just the way you want. I've got it all under control. I have money. I have whatever. Or I just being bullheaded and stubborn like me, like I was for many years, because I was a hard-head knucklehead. And maybe today is the day that you change that and be moldable. Today is the day that you humble yourself because you know that you have a king. Today is the day you humble yourself because your father, whether you had one or not like me, is right here. And he's looking for you. And he's seeking you. We don't serve a whack-a-mole God that will hit you over the head for your salvation. But we do serve a God, as Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock seeking for you to open. It takes you to make action happen. He's given us every way to show us how to do it. But you have to be willing, a disciple, a willing learner to take action. So as we close today, I'll be up here. If anybody would like to pray, I'm here for you. Um, Let's bow your heads for me real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you. Just thanking you for this time again, Father. Lord, I pray that you run rampant in this place today with your Holy Spirit just flowing in and through us, Father. Lord, I pray that if there's just anybody in this room that does not know you, have a relationship with you, or those in here that may have a relationship with you that have been on a different path, Father, than what you have called them to, Father. Lord, I I pray today is a day of repentance, Father. Lord, I pray today is a day of salvation, Father. But Lord, I pray that today is a day of change, Father. That men in this room would rise up and be the fathers and the godly men that you called them to. Women in this room would be the mothers and the wives that you called them to. Young people in this room would rise up to be the next generation that you have planted and called to, Father. Lord, the leadership of this church, Father, would do and be about the business of you and everything they say and do, Father. They would love and have grace and mercy towards those that darken this door as I know they do, Father. I just encourage them. But Lord, as we come to this time of invitation, Lord, I pray that's exactly what it would be. That it would be an open invite to all that need you, Father. That all that needs to see you in their lives. Lord, I love you. I thank you. It's in your precious and holy name I pray. Amen. The good judgment of where you're at in your Christian walk, I want you to ask those around you. Right? Because who's your best critics? The ones that are closest to you, right? Because they're easy and quick to show you. Ask them where you feel your relationship with Christ is. Not that that means that it's the overall being all. God is that and Jesus is that. But you want to grow because the whole point is to grow and get better. And then I want to ask you this question that he asked his disciples. 
Who do you say Jesus is? Because if you can't answer that question as Peter did, you are the Christ. Then I'd have to wonder, are you really sharing Him with others? Because if you can't answer who Jesus is, how can you tell that to anybody else? And we'll close in that today. God bless you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Yes, sir. Absolutely. and offerings in the tithing columns here, but we, we, we want to bless our brother with a love offering for his ministry because he will use it in his ministry I assure you and uh, we were going to take up an offering right now and uh, I was going to get you to help you do that side, I'll do this side okay? Is that okay? This is the first, I'm honored <laughs> is that okay? Okay, okay. And, and let me pray uh, pray over this offering uh, Father God, thank you for sending uh, my brother, your servant here, Scott, Lord, to bring us your word today, God. And I do pray for his ministry, God. And I pray that uh, these gifts, though they might not be a lot, Lord, they'll be used uh, in your service, Lord. Uh, I know you'll give him the opportunity, God. And I just thank you for his willingness and the blessing that we've received Of yours that he brought. We ask that you be with each and every one of us as we get ready to leave today. In your gracious holy name, amen.